like that music, Taylor. Thanks for putting that together. Um, as you know, a lot of our graphics and media, um, Taylor is the one that spearheads that, and so I appreciate him. Um, yeah, round of applause. We've been working on this for a while, so it's okay to celebrate, okay? So if there's something to celebrate, just start clapping and say, yeah, because we got to get used to this, okay? we got to celebrate what God's done here. Um, I'm holding my hand the booklet, uh, which is Dangerous, Your Pursuit of a Fearless Life. And so we want everyone to join in. I think you'll enjoy it. It's an eight-week commitment, and you'll be able to connect with other believers, and then um, you'll be able to take this resource and share it with people um, around you. Um, our goal is to love and lead one another, to find and follow Jesus, and we do that through community. Uh, we do that through connection, and so we're excited about you um, connecting in community groups this 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 season um, I've got a question for you as we start and when you hear the word dangerous as you heard that our series was called dangerous what's your typical response to that word so dangerous what's your typical response to that word just shout it out fear all right that's good what else reservation yeah a little timid um, what about on Friday I'm sure some guys kind of felt this dangerous like oh stink I forgot the chocolate and the flowers. So, so I woke up early on Sunday morning or on Friday morning and I was like, oh, I'm feeling a little dangerous now. I, I felt dangerous because my Valentine for, you know, 20 some years, 22 years now, man, I messed up. I didn't get her flowers. I didn't get her chocolates, but I hugged her and kissed her all day long. Right? Oh, she's like, yeah. <laughs> Maybe you felt dangerous, you know, um, if you stood outside Walmart and Target and the mall, you kind of saw these guys running in and out. It was hilarious. I mean, it was really funny to see um, because we think that, oh, my goodness, I'm going to be in trouble because I messed up on this one holiday. Uh, but if you do a quick search in Google and you just talk, you just search type in dangerous activities, all of us are involved in dangerous activities all day long. There's things that we just do because we're humans, because we live. But there's several things that are extremely dangerous. The first thing on the list, number one, is texting while walking. Now, they didn't say texting while driving. We know that's super dangerous. But what lands most people in the hospital is actually texting while walking. People get hit in the head. People fall into holes. People fall into water fountains. You can just put that in YouTube, and you'll see all sorts of funny videos of people um, getting hurt. And actually, it causes death. And so there was thousands of people that went to the hospital last year because of texting while, walk, while walking. So that's a dangerous thing. That's a modern problem. Another thing is, number two, is fixing home appliances. I was telling Pastor Ruben this morning, um, electrocution is the, one of the leading cause of death among males because we just don't unplug things. And so um, electrocution, so don't do that. If you're going to work on something, unplug it. Um, Pastor Ruben, right before the service, we were looking at the, the Nest thermostat. And I said, man, don't touch that. That wire is hot. And he went up there like this, and I went, and he jumped as high as he could. It was not, it was not nice, but it was funny. <laughs> he said, that was worse than the shock. And I was like, yeah, I about killed you. Um, lighting fireworks, number three. All right, there's, it makes a lot of noise. It's a big boom, but they're fun, but they're dangerous. Most of us should just stick to sparklers. It's probably a good idea. Um, one was interesting, drinking alcohol near a body of water. 70% um, of deaths are because of drinking around water, around lakes. Uh, so don't do that. Um, hanging your own TV. I thought this was interesting. 19,000 people in three years were sent to the ER for hanging their own televisions. Wow. Okay, get help. Don't do it by yourself. It'll, it may hurt you. Um, I thought this was really interesting, working with jerks. Working with jerks is dangerous. It actually lowers your lifespan. You live less when you work with jerks. So, so, so what's, the, what's the answer? Leave the work and find some other job that you enjoy, okay? Uh, don't work with jerks. Um, cooking with a propane stove. That hurts a lot of people. It's extremely dangerous. Here's one that all of us are guilty of, sitting down all day. 
all of it. A lot of us sit, our jobs are, are, are immobile, and we sit at, your, at our desks all day. There's notifications you can put on your phone to remind you to stand up. Sitting down all day will actually shorten your lifespan. The last thing that I saw that was interesting is having no purpose is very dangerous. And a lot of us live in a life, live in a world where we're just roaming around with no purpose. And so having no purpose is extremely dangerous. Today we're going to be begin a series called Dangerous, Your Pursuit of a Fearless Life. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about some areas that God has equipped us as followers of Jesus to be dangerous, not to us, but dangerous for the world and dangerous for, our, for, the, for the enemy, dangerous for the kingdom of darkness. We're going to be pushing back darkness. In order to live a dangerous life, some of, us, some of this stuff will be kind of common sense, but there's other stuff that we're going to actually have to take some steps to be dangerous. We're spiritually dangerous, physically dangerous, mentally dangerous, relationally dangerous, emotionally dangerous. And then if we all come together understanding who we are, our church becomes dangerous and then we cause a movement around the world that is a dangerous movement. The bottom line for this series is that God has called you to live a dangerous life. God has not called you to live a timid, hidden life. He's called you to live an exposed, dangerous life. Life that is dangerous because you, not that, not that you're in danger, but dangerous because we believe in Jesus, and he fills us with his spirit, and we are dangerous just because we know God. God always had a plan from the beginning for you to be dangerous. It starts there in Genesis chapter 1. If you have your Bibles or the Bible app, you can go to the live event there, and you can follow along. It's also going to be here on the screen. But you were created from the beginning to be dangerous. Let's look at verse 26. It says, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, and all the wild animals of the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Since our creation, God has created us to live dangerously. He's actually called us to reign, to oversee or steward his creation. He's called us to govern. He's called us to take control. He not only has called us to oversee or steward his creation, but he has actually created us in the very image of God. We are image bearers of God. But most of us are so asleep to that that we don't realize that we are created in the image of God to rule and reign over creation and to impact this world for good. Something happened to disrupt God's creation. You see, God did not create man to simply be a program or a robot to just do the same thing every day, but God created man with a choice and with what we call free will. Man could freely choose to serve God, acknowledge him, or man could go his own way. And we see there in Genesis 1, 2, 3, 4, that man didn't choose to go after the serpent, after Satan, the enemy. He didn't choose to go after God either. Man went his very own way. The deceiver Satan presented himself to the first human beings to tempt them with the free choice that God had given them. And they chose to go their own way. This day and age, we see um, that it's the exact same thing. We think we only have two choices, God or Satan good or evil, right or left. But actually, there are millions and billions, over seven and a half billion choices in this world, seven and a half billion individuals that are going their own way in this world. We are more libertarian. It's not a political thing, but it's more of a statement of 
you do you. Have you heard that? You do you. That's the worst advice you could ever give anybody because that's what gets us into trouble. Because if I did me every day, this would be a bad deal, right? Right now, if you did you, as you're all sitting in this room, some of you would be screaming. These babies have nothing on some of you. So you do you is terrible advice, but that's how this world lives. This world lives because you do you. That's how we live. We create our own way, our own path. We choose to follow us instead of following God. Humanity has become anything but dangerous. Humanity has been complacent, has been passive, has let it happen as it happens. During our series, I got a spoiler alert for you. The most dangerous people in this world are people that submit to God Almighty. These are the most dangerous people because now we have been loosed from darkness. We're free to make choices. We're free to reject the sin that easily gets us. We're free to actually follow something completely countercultural. The most dangerous people are the people that submit to the will of God. During our series, Dangerous, we're going to look at one man who lived a life. He never even knew that he was created to be dangerous. He grew up in a religious ritual and beliefs, but he didn't know or imagine that these stories could be true. This man's name is Gideon. He's one of the most intriguing men in the book of Judges in the uh, Jewish scripture, which is saying a lot because the book of Judges has a lot of interesting characters, both men and women. The book of Judges falls in an interesting time in the history of Israel. And and today what I want to do is I want to set the scene because if we don't understand the context and understand exactly what's happening in this book, we'll misinterpret it in in our lives today. This is why we care so much about scripture here at Bethel, because scripture, we believe, is God's word to humanity. Scripture is God's revealed word, his inspired word, his breathed word to humanity. We call it the Bible or we call it scripture. In our modern day, we have it split in two halves. We have what we call the Old Testament and the New Testament. We should think of this as the Jewish scriptures. This is Genesis through Malachi, the Jewish scriptures. And then we have the New Testament or the Christian scriptures, which is Matthew all the way through Revelation. We see that God created, that man rebelled, that God chose a family through Abraham. God chose a nation through Jacob or Israel. God chose a family within that family, Mary and Joseph. God chose a savior, which is Jesus. God chose a comforter, which is the Holy Spirit. And God chose a voice, which is the church. We see that all through the pages of scripture from Genesis all the way to the end. And so whether it's in the old or the Jewish scriptures or in the New Testament or the Christian scriptures, we see that God is working from the beginning to the end to lead to the moment that we are living in today where the church is the voice to the nations of the will of God through Jesus Christ. When we look at scripture, we need to understand the time and the place and the setting and the audience. Judges was written during a time where the people of Israel, where the nation of Israel, this chosen nation, had been rescued from Egypt. They were slaves, and they had been rescued from Egypt. Then they journeyed to the promised land where the Middle East is today, and the judges records a people that forgot all that God had done for them how God had rescued them from slavery, how God had brought them into the promised land. Judges records a people that did what they wanted to do with no regard for God. And Judges records how God rescues the people over and over and over again with human heroes or human judges. This particular hero that we're going to find in the middle of the book of Judges in chapter 6, his name is Gideon. And in many ways, he's a lot like us. Let's pick it up there in verse 11 of Judges chapter 6. It says, then the angel of the Lord came and sat down beneath the great tree at Ophrah. 
which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abizer. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a winepress to hide the grain from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. The first thing I want you to see this morning as we're looking at this kind of overview of the life of Gideon is that God saw Gideon for who he was, not for what he was doing. And so God knows everything and he sees everything and he saw Gideon's life and he knew that he had been equipped and he had been uh, given the gifts and the talents and the abilities through God to actually accomplish, accomplish something. But we see that Gideon was hiding. So he saw who Gideon was, not just what Gideon was doing. In other words, God knew Gideon and he knew the future version of Gideon. He knew the, what Gideon had to accomplish. He knew that he was weak. He knew that he was fearful. He knew that he was timid. He knew that he was stressed out. But he knew that he would lead. He knew that he would step up. He knew that he would win. Yes, he was at the bottom of a wide press, but he knew the ability he had to accomplish this rescue or this mission that God was going to set it on. Gideon actually was active. He was just doing something. We're going to talk about that here in a minute. Why was he hiding? Why was he worried? We've got to go back in the, in the passage to understand why he was hiding in a wine press. Look at verse 2. It says, The Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted crops, marauders from Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east would attack Israel, camping in the land and destroying crops as far away as Gaza. They left the Israelites with nothing to eat, taking all the sheep, goats, and cattle, and donkeys. These enemy hordes, coming with their livestock and tents, were as thick as locusts. They arrived as droves of camels, too numerous to count, and they stayed until the land was stripped bare. I think I would be worried as well. There's a lot to worry about in our world, and there's a lot to stress out about in our world. We have the benefit of living in this nation where we have not been invaded by enemy, enemy conquerors. But imagine a life where you were constantly in fear of an enemy coming in to take away everything that you own, to take away everything that you have. Yesterday we were talking to, yesterday we were talking to Max, and Max is right now working through kind of his mortality, I guess you could say. And he's thinking about things that could happen. And he's thinking about, man, what about death? And, well, what about mice in the attic? And they're going to get into the house. And what about uh, dark? And what about um, the bad guys and this scary stuff? And, and Max is thinking through all these things that could drive him to fear. And our conversation was with, with him was, Max, the, whatever you focus on, that's what's going to bring alive, come alive in your life. Wherever your focus is, that's what you're going to give attention to. And so if you give focus to the things that could cause you fear, one night there was these mice running around up above his head, and he, just, he was sitting there going, oh, I can't believe this. And I, like an hour went by, and I heard some crying, and I went in the room, and Max was crying because a mouse was running above his head. And I said, what's going on, Max? And he goes, there's a mouse. And I was like, what's that mouse going to do to you? It's like that big. What's it going to do to you? And he goes, I just don't like it. And I was like, well, pray it away. Just pray it away. And he closed his eyes. I left the room, and he prayed. In the morning, I said, how'd it go, Max? He goes, it's awesome. The mouse just stopped running around. It was gone. I said, man, that was God doing that. And Christy told me, there was a mouse running over my bed all night. And I was like, Max prayed it over to Christy. That was awesome. And then I caught it. So that mouse is no longer there. So I caught that mouse. <laughs> oh, did anybody want a pet? Okay, no. You know, just getting out of bed in the morning increases our chances of, of danger because our lives are fragile. We're just nothing but a mist. We're, we're very fragile, and getting out of bed in the morning causes enough danger. Well, we see that the nation of Israel was driven to caves, strongholds because of the enemy. They were actually a starving. 
And so Gideon took action. Um, I'm going to show some pictures here about two different things that this passage talks about. I want us to understand it. Uh, About the threshing floor, threshing wheat. Here's a picture of a big flat place. In, in, up high. A threshing floor was a place where they would go with wheat and they would beat the wheat and then they'd throw it in the air and the wind would take the shaft and leave the, the grain. And so if you look at the next picture, this kind of shows you what, it, what it's like. They hit the wheat and then someone throws it in the air and the grain stays and the rest of it goes away. Well, Gideon went to this, uh, was supposed to go to the threshing floor. So it's on a flat surface, a flat rock. When no flat rock is available, they would prepare a leveling ground, kind of like that other picture, and they'd pound it to the earth to create a hard surface. And then Gideon should have been there, but we heard that the invaders were coming. So if he would have been out in the open like this, in the Middle East, there's a lot of open space. If he'd have been out in the open, the invaders would have been like, hey, someone's uh, threshing some wheat. Let's go get their stuff. So what did Gideon do? He actually hid in the bottom of a wine press. So this next picture is the wine press. It's in the Middle Eastern times in ancient, in ancient Near East uh, Israel. And so the, the wine press is a pit or a large vat where grapes were collected. The juices pressed or squeezed from them and channeled through a large container. So they were usually dug in vineyards. And so we see Gideon in the bottom of a wine press threshing wheat. And the reason he's doing that is because he's trying to provide food for his family. So he's not just being lazy. He's actually hiding from the enemy. So my my question for us as a church, as I look at this first part in Gideon's life, my question for us is, what is keeping us as a church from doing our work, our activity in the light of day? Why is it that we hide so much when it comes to Jesus, when it comes to who Jesus is and what Jesus has done in our lives? Are we content to be hidden followers of Jesus when God has called us to be out in the light, followers of Jesus? Do we think we're being creative by hiding on Facebook and Instagram or wearing a Christian T-shirt or maybe a cross around our necks and think that's enough? Is, Is that what we're content to do, is to live in the darkness when Jesus has called us into the light? Are we content to be safe when God calls us to be dangerous? In 2020, we end up hiding from culture and the threats to our liberty because, or instead of living out the life that God has called us to. The next part shows us maybe why. Look at verse 13. Sir, Gideon replied, and so this angel of the Lord, which he didn't know was an angel, appeared and said, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. And he goes, sir, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are the miracles of our ancestors uh, that our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Miracles had become this thing of legends, and God's rescue had become things of the past. And I'm wondering if today one of our biggest problems at the church is that we're relying on our parents' faith. We're relying on a cultural faith. We're relying on our community's faith. Maybe we've never experienced the power of God that we've heard about in the stories. Maybe we're living someone else's spiritual journey and living in someone else's spiritual shadow instead of stepping into the light and experiencing the power of God for ourselves. Maybe God wants to meet you with your doubts and your questions like he did with Gideon. God wants to work through you just as he's done before. God wants to, for you to experience the power and presence and experience of, of God. God is not, you are not exempt from God's power today. And if you're living in the shadow of someone else's spiritual journey, God today is actually calling you into the light to experience 
his power for yourself. God is calling you to live a dangerous life. Verse 14, let's pick up the story again. It says, the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. You know what being dangerous requires? It requires for us to know who we are and using the strength that God has given us to rescue people around us. Gideon obeyed God this first task. He actually went and tore down some idols in the village. You'll need to read that later, verse 25 to 31. And after he obeyed, this incredible verse happens in verse 34. After he obeyed, it says right there, verse 34, the spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon with power. He blew a ram's horn to call to arms, and the men of the clan of Abizer came to him. All right, I'm going to try something. So in the Kuna Islands, as you know, Christy and I lived in Central America. Um, the first time I went, I heard this noise, and I was like, what in the world? And it was a noise that called everyone around the island to a Congress meeting. Now, this is not a ram's horn. I told somebody to bring me one, but I don't know where you get that. But I have one of these. And then if, if you know what this is, if you, know, if you do it right, I may fail. This may be a fail. But he said that he was clothed with a spirit, uh, with power, and he blew a ram's horn. So I'm going to blow a conch shell, okay, for a second. God has called you to be dangerous. God has sent Jesus to rescue you. God has sent the Spirit to fill you. And God has sent others to stand with you. My question is, will you answer his call today? God went with Gideon. God told him who he was. God called him. God equipped him. God clothed him with power. He empowered him, and then he sent him. And you know what? He's done the exact same thing for you. God has come to you through Jesus. God has told you who you are by stretching his arms out on the cross. You are loved and you are chosen. God has called you to love and lead others to find and follow Jesus. He has equipped you with the indwelling in the presence of the Holy Spirit. This is not a mist. This is actually an indwelling. He has clothed you with his love. He has empowered you with a call and an ability. And he has sent you to care for those around you. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 says, Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you? This dangerous life cannot be done alone. As we'll see in the life of Gideon, that God brings the right people at the right time. And I'm so proud and I'm so excited to do this with you, Bethel Community Church, because God brings the right people at the right time to accomplish the mission that he has called us to. We need to be dangerous together. My, my question this morning really is, are you hiding from your faith? Why not live out in the open? Are you relying on someone else's faith? Why not make this faith your own? When God showed up and changed Gideon's plans, he told him to go with the strength that he had. One of the greatest assets we have as followers of Jesus is the love of Christ in us. When we are threatened with darkness or fear, we can stand in the love of Jesus. We can stand in his love. When we feel sorrow or pain and, and the enemy tries to break us down, we actually can stand in the love of Jesus. Sometimes to be dangerous, all we need to do is stand. Sometimes to be dangerous, we just need to stand in the love of Jesus. When shame takes over our lives, when lies deceive us, we, we just need to stand. 
We need to stand in the power of Jesus. We need to stand in the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to stand in the love of the Father. This power can break every chain. This power can awaken even our dead souls. This power can save us from ourselves. This power can fill us and make us dangerous. So why not stand in the love of Jesus? Just look at the words of Paul in Romans chapter 8. It is not on the screen. I just want you to listen. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day and we're being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither fears for today or worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord.